supreme dereliction of duty. That's what Benny Thompson said today at the session. Hello everyone, this is Banal with the January 6th Insurrection Podcast. It is July 12th, 2022, and the session just wrapped up, and that was, I think, the theme of the day was Donald J. Trump, the 45th President of the United States, is supremely dereliction, or derelict, it's hard to say, supreme derelict of duty. For the most part, dereliction of duty is a serious crime, especially in the United States military, where these words actually mean something. And when you have a committee that is of your peers um, and your colleagues and Americans that have raised their right hand and swore an oath to abide by the Constitution, they're finding it difficult to square that their leader, the 45th president, is supremely derelict of his duty. And he's guilty of a lot of other things, but I'll jump into that later. I wanted to point that fact out that amongst everything else that came out today was that he was supremely derelict of his duty. And everyone is kind of standing around looking at each other because we're shocked that the evidence is laid upon us. And it's clear, if it's not clear at this point, just dig a hole and stick your head in it because that's where it belongs. Um, I'm shocked that it's taken this long for people to see what has gone down here. And I'm the one that keeps saying derelict of duty. You know, he's a, a Benedict Arnold. He's a traitor. He has betrayed his country. And it's the ultimate betrayal and the ultimate crime of a commander-in-chief, and Benny Thompson said that today, commander-in-chief, not Donald Trump, right? This guy was our employee, and he fucked us over. It's pretty plain and simple. You know, it's funny, I saw that guy today, Ayers, I believe his name was, some guy who just was misguided and uh, misinformed, and he is a good American, right? He was following his leader, but unfortunately his leader betrayed him. And people are not familiar with that kind of emotion, but betrayal is the worst. And our founding fathers warned us about these types of individuals. They just never thought that it would happen with, um, all the levers in place, right? Congress is supposed to help us, the Senate. The Senate, to be quite honest, and you know who you are, the Republican Party, I'm um, shocked that you're able to walk around the Capitol and the White House and um, hollow ground and you can walk straight. How do you do that without a spine? And, you know, it's funny. I was talking about leaders in the last podcast, and that's unfortunate that 
this guy kind of slipped through the cracks. And like I said before, I was hopeful for him. I really was. I was secretly hopeful <laughs> that he would be successful, right? And unfortunately, that is not what happened. And I laughed because I would cry otherwise. Um, and I, I'm just so amazed that the majority of the Republican Party are still holding out. You guys have to stop throwing hand grenades at your, um, at your troops. See, I don't think they understand that because, unfortunately, their mother and their father didn't teach them right. So now we've got to teach them a lesson. And the lesson is you don't get to bring a baseball bat um, and beat your opponent to death with it. You know, I always use baseball analogy because that really is, you know, that's our sport. And we play it because we understand that if you lose, you lost because you didn't win. Right? It's right there. Score. Unfortunately, in politics, your score is um, questionable. Right? But you... You... You honor the other gentleman or gentle lady that they'll have morals and principles that they won't um, do the do the worst, which is what Donald has done. And I have said this before; it brings me no pleasure to have to say that. I almost sound like a madman, and I have to laugh at it because I'm just responding to everything that has transpired over the course of these past years and like I said before I wanted this to be successful I really did the reason you're here in airplanes because I'm by the airport but anyway um, getting back to the hearing I think that we already knew what had happened but it's nice to see that on December 18th after the um, ambulance chasers cornered dum-dum in the yellow room to give him a presentation on how to um, conspire and uh, set up the the halting of the electoral count and the peaceful transfer of power that's that was their goal right so they argued for six hours Hirschman Cipollone they were arguing that he can't do that so they thought that was the end of it but unfortunately um, the president was all hopped up on God knows what and at 1.30 p.m. there was a tweet that went out and basically said be there it's going to be wild so I don't know what else you can, you know, derive from that. It's pretty plain and simple. He couldn't convince the White House attorneys to do what he wanted them to do, was to appoint Sidney Powell, who I've mentioned before, she's not even an ambulance chaser. She's worse than that, right? She's a criminal attorney that's a, an attorney that's a criminal. And it's unfortunate that he latched on to her for some reason. Um, 
and she is now going to go to jail for a long time. And I'm really surprised that she hasn't been locked up before then, to be quite honest, with her involvement in Enron and, you know, the milking of the American people because they had to bail out that uh, defunct company. And there's a few other people that I've mentioned on this pod before, and and I haven't heard their name. I keep hearing the attorneys, Sidney Powell, and da 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 da, and the others. And I know who the others are because I've talked about them, and I'm going to get more into them later. Okay, so the dates are extremely important. December 18th meeting, where the the meeting was happening between Sidney Powell, Trump. Clark and other loyalists to the Trump movement and they were trying to get Trump to uh, come up with more schemes about uh, commandeering voting machines and sending out letters to the different states. There was a lot of things going on in that meeting where Hirschman and Cipollone were pushing back because they're the White House attorneys. They're saying, no, you can't do this. This is absolutely insane. And of course, Sidney Powell, who I've talked about before, she's the Enron criminal attorney who's an attorney that's a criminal. And why she's not locked up is beyond me. But in this meeting is where the the two sides were battling it out, trying to convince dum-dum that what they were trying to conspire was illegal and detrimental to the transfer of power right so this was december 18th so that went on until the wee hours of the night and everybody went into their respectful corners but then uh dum-dum i said that he sent the text message at 1:30 p.m he sent it at 1.30 a.m. on the morning of December 19th, which was that night when they were arguing about what they should do. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that he realized that they weren't going to be able to move forward with seizing machine, voting machines and... Um, sending letters to the different states to stop the electoral uh, college count. And so he, you know, hopped up on who knows what, because what 70, 80-year-old man is up at 1.30 in the morning, right? So what is he on? What is he taking? Um, And why is he making these irrational decisions at 1.30 a.m.? This goes back to loose lips sink ships. And it is the commander-in-chief making bad decisions because at this point he was a, a, you know, a lame duck. And, you know, he was on his way out. But he was trying, he was, you know, kind of like when people are being dragged out of a room and they're scraping everything, the walls and their fingernails are clawed into the walls. This is what he was doing, trying to grab at anything that he could to remain in power. So remember, this was December 19th, the morning of December 19th. January 6th was still two and a half weeks out. So he sent that text message, be there, be wild, and some other nonsense. And of course, 
everyone had their notifications turned on so that when Dum Dum sent a twit, that, you know, their ears lit up. So, of course, this was a, you know, call to arms, get ready, we're going. Now, remember, this is their fearless leader. And like the witness today, Ayer said, I'm only following the leader. And you really can't blame them because, you know, they're Americans. They follow, you know, what their fearless leader says. Unfortunately, this one betrayed them. And it's really unfortunate. But that's really what it all kind of boils down to. So, on January 3rd, is when he continued to try to get them to send that letter, Clark, replace um, Roth with Sidney Powell. There was a lot going on. So it wasn't just the riot. It was meetings. It was text messages. It was calls. It was a lot of things that were happening in the background and many tentacles to try to get um, this to happen. So January 6th kind of was like a last stand. And that's kind of how everyone perceived it because he kept telling them, you know, and I forget really what these people thought. Remember, they were being told that the election was stolen. We understand that it wasn't, but they believed it was. So if you believe something is true, of course you're going to deny anybody that's telling you um, something else. So, of course, they're at fault, but at the same time, you kind of see what they're saying. The president's telling them to go and fight and not be a traitor, when in fact, what they're about to do is going to do exactly that. It's really... It's unbelievable, to be quite honest. I think the real problem here for Trump is he contemplated seizing voting machines when he knew that there was no fraud involved in the election by December 18th. So why would he need to seize voting machines or order the seizure of voting machines because he was going to install Sidney Powell who like I said is an ambulance chaser so what was his motivation to seize the voting machines was to stop the peaceful transfer of power and that alone my friends should be enough to charge this guy He's already going to get charged with dereliction of duty, but because he willfully made up conspiracies to support the lie that the election was stolen, if that's not enough for you to determine what is right and wrong, I I don't know what else to say, but I think that him trying to install Sidney Powell as the Attorney General should be enough. See, he was going to eventually find someone, and then this got all the way to January 3rd 
or the fourth with Clark because Clark, Jeffrey Clark, the guy that you just saw in his underwear in the driveway, he was trying to get him to come up with another plan. And the other plan was to send a letter to the different states and say that there um, was fraud in their election, right? That was Clark. That was two weeks later, after December 18th. And then the planning on December 19th, be there, be wild. I mean, you don't need any more evidence. It's obvious. And everything else is just um, cake because, I mean, the writing is on the wall. And if you didn't think he needed to be removed in impeachment one or impeachment two, consider this impeachment three. And I don't know what the family is going to think because they're, um, they're over. I mean, they're going to be, um, lepers and I don't, I mean, just with all the video and text that's out there, I mean, you know, a hundred years ago, people can get away with stuff like this because everything was in a book, right? Now everything's a movie. And I think that is really the dichotomy for Trump is where he's still living in the 70s and we're living in the 21st century with um, fact and video, right? And that's why, you know, he was brilliant in coming up with fake, fake news. And I don't know how you're going to spin this one <laughs> with all the testimony. And then, you know, let's get to Pat Cipollone. That, really, Pat Cipollone? I mean, when he when I heard him say that his conversation with Trump was uh, confidential and privileged, at this point, you know, we already know everything. So anything that you can share what Dum Dum said would help this case a great deal. So I think that you need to come back and tell us a little bit more because once again, you're not his attorney, you're the White House attorney. And to say that it's privilege is just another um, example of your dedication to the man Donald Trump. And it's kind of I'm st I was startled when I heard that because I expected you to say everything. And the fact that you couldn't even say what he said when you told him your opinion of of his harebrained schemes. I think it's important to know what he said and that would help us understand why our country is in the shitter. Right, Pat Cipollone? Mr. White Shoe Corporate Attorney, who pretty much is, your career's over. And I'm surprised that um, you had the balls to even say that it was privileged. Because, I, I, I mean, at least you didn't plead the fifth, right? So you had one ball. And I, I'm just, I'm in shock, to be quite honest. The thing we forget about January 6th is why was he even having a rally? The election was over. It was already 
um, decided that there was no reason to continue um, going down this road of uh, there being any fraud in the election. So why would he have to have a rally? Because it was his rally, you know. He summoned the mob on December 19th. So they had a couple weeks to gather, and of course he knows who's going to be there, his fans who are um, crazy, and he encouraged them to be wild, right? So he can't say that he did not expect them to be violent. And not only that, but he told them that he was going, right? We're going. So right there, he knew that these people would possibly be a problem. And we're going to go back to supremely derelict of duty. Remember, that is not the commander-in-chief's job to hold a rally on January 6th, which is supposed to be the day of peaceful transfer of power. So, of course, if you're going to summon a militia to come to the Capitol to seek and destroy, what do you think is going to happen? And the reason that Liz Cheney said that he's a 76-year-old man and he knows the difference between right and wrong. So he knew what he was doing. He knew that he was going to incite the mob and then join the mob. But thankfully that didn't happen. But um, I think that is enough for the day. And there's a couple more sessions. I'm still going to um, try to figure out a different approach to this podcast because I think that we're going to start getting more into data and um, you know the evidence is going to be critical because then the DOJ is going to be involved and it's just going to get a little more um, data heavy as opposed because you know there's not going to be any more hearing so I'm going to change format da 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 but anyway um, thanks everyone I hope all is well and we'll talk later bye bye